Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 109 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan, what's good? Hey, it, it's been a good week for me. I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I turned 28 years young on Monday. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting up there. It is kind of crazy, you know? Uh, 27 was always a weird year for me that I kind of you're feared. You're like halfway to the, through the end half of your 20s? Well, no, but I mean, you know, there's like the, the 27 club. Kind of freaked me out for some reason. The tw- is that a real club? Yeah, Jim like Morrison, Kurt Cobain. Jimi Hendrix, they all died oh. at 27. Well, you survived. I mean, yeah. you, a couple more days. And the Simpsons? Survive. Are the Simpsons 27? I think they're like running on 30 years old at this point. But yeah, yeah dude, it's a real thing. And so okay. it kind of freaked me out. Just, I don't know, I, I took this like... I mean, Taylor Swift survived it, so we can too. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but yeah, no, 28 years uh, on Monday. Looking forward to it. I took Friday off this week to kind of just... I, I just needed a day. To run yeah. errands, catch up on life, unplug from work, unplug from the internet for the most part. And uh, yeah, we'll get into it. But it was nice to just have a day off. Of yeah, work. I think you earned it. I mean, you barely work. so uh, It's been a <laughs> yeah, it's pretty been brutal few weeks of work. And it's it's going to be pretty uh, pretty intense in the coming weeks ahead. But that's okay. Because it was good to have at least a, a day off. Yeah. yeah it's to chill also, and catch my breath. It's also getting nice. I mean, it was nice this week. It was like 50s or 60s. For a day or two, and then it was frost this morning. But yeah, it's nice to go on a walk and not have to wear hat and gloves. Yeah, that's for sure. But, but uh, do we have a packed episode this week? Yes, we do. Very packed agenda. This is probably going to run us, I would say, at least two hours. Yeah, for sure. Bare minimum requirement here because we have the March Madness Otaku Brothers bracket that we're kicking off. March Madness college basketball actually just started. Uh, the team that I wanted to at least make it past the first round did not do that. Yeah, congrats. Good job, OSU. The Ohio State Buckeyes, man. What a pathetic performance by them. But that's okay. It's still fun. I didn't even fill out a bracket this year, but uh, I'm filling out the most important bracket, and that's the Otaku The one that bracket. we created. That's right. Yes. Uh, so Ryan and I are probably for the next two weeks going to be going through the character battle that we have put together, 64 characters based on four companies' games single elimination style it's gonna be really fun so we'll be doing that in the back half of the show we're kicking things off to talk through our weeks as we always do and then uh, i've been playing some fun games this week we gotta talk about the games that we've been playing recently as we always do here on otaku brothers but before we get into any of that ryan how's your week been going good i mean this week's kind of been weird i've had a few calls with japan so it's kind of put me out of that normal let's game after work Mm. because i'll have to i have like an hour off and then i'll have to get on a call anything at like 12 o'clock in the morning or no luckily not unfortunately i'm gonna have to not this coming week but the following week work third shift oh no dude um, because one of my suppliers is a tool and is asking for more money so i'll be doing that i don't it should only fingers crossed if i'm being optimistic take a day or two but um, still throws me off a bit, so I've been sticking to watching more videos mm. and watching gameplay opposed to, and kind of back to like the Game Grumps kind of stuff, watching someone play because I can't. Okay. Um, do you like any uh, anyone on Twitch or what's, well, what, I, what are you thinking? 
No, I, I found a YouTube channel. It's called Dylan is in Trouble. Mm-hmm. And it, I heard of it. It's a guy who basically he's he had a different channel and he reviewed music that like popular pop music that he had never heard like early two thousands. But he went to film school and he kind of has a very interesting way that he cuts his audio and the way he reviews movies. So I've pretty much been going through his entire catalog. Um and it's a good time. Check him out. Dylan is in trouble. He has about a million subscribers. Nice. Um, so he's not tiny, but a good time. Um, and then this week I was planning with Rick. I'm going to go up to Rick's place for Tuesday, Wednesday of next week with Ben. Nice. This is These are friends of yours from college? Yeah, college roommates. Nice. Um, so that should be a good time. But Cool. Besides that, nothing too crazy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, it's been pretty chill outside of work, uh, coming away from the trees getting removed. It's been nice, but unfortunately, and Laura and I really haven't figured out the root cause of this, but Scooby-Doo has been, uh, sick the past few days. And so the past, I would say two or three nights, he's just been getting sick, like projectile vomiting in our bed, Lauren working upstairs in the guest bedroom. He's like vomiting all over the couch. So, and a lot of it was like bacterial bile so we really didn't okay, know so he didn't have much in his stomach there really, yeah there was none and he really cleared his stomach out i mean for two days he really didn't eat anything hardly drank any water and so we didn't know what was going on but a little pro tip if your your dog is sick and you don't know what's going on something that at least helps scoob and i think other dogs in general is boiling it sounds gross but boiling ground beef okay so getting all the fat out not putting any salt or anything like that when you're cooking it. So boiling all the fat out, but then also uh, white or brown rice. Okay. So do you put that in like a strainer and then boil it, or how do you boil it? Uh, like no, an you... inch or two of water and then some ground beef. and Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that typically helps to settle the stomach of the pup. And so the past two nights, Lauren and I have been just sleeping on the couch, making sure he's okay, and thankfully he's better today. And Lauren's downstairs working on her homework, so I think all is well. Good. Yeah, he seemed more lively when I walked in. I could definitely empathize with uh, the sick animals. Uh, my cat has been sick. I mean, he's 17 years old. Little Skittles. I, yeah, little Skittles. And I think for a tabby cat, that's pretty much towards the end of their life. Like 15 to 17, I think, is the average for that breed. So um, he's been slowing down. He used to be a chub. Yeah, he was. Um, he was like 25 pounds of just fluff and obesity, and uh, he slowly withered away, unfortunately, just being old. Yeah. Um, so he's lived a good life. We actually, before this, my mom took him to the vet because he's been living at the parents because I'm sure Nala... Your dog would literally Yeah, eat he would Skittles. be a chew toy. I, yeah. uh, Skittles used to get along with, the, with Snick because they grew up together, mm-hmm. um, but... Yeah, Nala, Nala would see it as him as prey. Mm-hmm. But we we just put, had to put him down this morning, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. Um, yeah, not to get rambly about my cat. I, I was actually never a cat person. Mm-hmm. Lauren was she's she wanted a companion because she lacked the friends. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm just kidding. She had friends, but um, yeah, she got her cat named Cuddles, and I never thought I wanted a cat. But I went there and I picked up this little tabby kitten who was just purring like a motorboat and uh yeah he he turned out to be awesome and he lived a good life so not too sad i i saw this coming 
over the last couple of weeks as he went down quickly, but he didn't mm-hmm. suffer for long. So, Well, that's nice. I mean, you know, with animals like that, you always want them to live a long life. You want to make great memories with them. It sounds like you've made plenty of great memories yes. with Skittles. You've had them for pretty much your entire uh, young adult life. Yeah. And then into I think adult since middle school, which yeah. is way a really long time ago. Well, that's nice. I mean, obviously, it sucks to see any pet go. I hate having to put a, a pet down. Fortunately for me, uh, I've never had to do that. But my parents, of course, have done that with our pets over the years. And I don't even want to think about the day when Scooby Snack is not in Lord in my life. Yeah, I mean, so for Amber, my dad had or Amber was two dogs ago. He she was a shepherd that my parents had it was a stray originally my dad was like oh there's a stray dog let's feed it hamburgers and send it back off like not onto the streets but he didn't expect it to come back mm-hmm. but if you feed a dog hamburgers it's gonna come it's back. coming right back so they ended up adopting that one and he, when he was gonna put it down he scheduled it for like a friday mm-hmm. so like he on monday he's like i have to put my dog down on friday so it was a rough week um and then snickers kind of went in her sleep and like skittles was going underneath his chair like for most of the day and that's kind of cuddles passed away lauren's cat underneath the guest bedroom Mm. bed so um i i didn't want that my parents to go through that again yeah um of just finding him passed away so i think this is the best and the vet was really nice about it so dude i could never and i don't want to i don't want to ride on this point for too long but as a as a veterinarian i could have never do that well i think that's why there's a really high suicide rate and depression for vets really yeah but i mean because i mean if you think about it say people who have the love that you have for like scoob and you have to see them go through putting that dog down consistently throughout your day and you work an eight-hour shift it's not like looking at spreadsheets it's like you're watching people go through grief and we're not going to ride on this long we're going to talk about video games and stuff but (laughs) it's it's not a profession. I mean, they have lots of schooling, and it's expensive to go through that schooling, and then to go through that like level of depressing stuff. I definitely would not want that job. Yeah, but it is a nice. I think it's probably a happy balance between all of that because you're also nursing a lot of animals back to health. You yeah. have a lot of these owners come in and say, "Hey, I don't know what's going on with Scoob. He seems unwell," and they're just like, "Oh, well." He has this issue. Here's some medicine. He'll he'll be fine. Boil some beef. Give him yeah. some rice. And they see the joy in these animals. Like, I mean, they're you, basically you the Dr. Doolittles of the world. You definitely have to dwell on that aspect of it. I think a, probably a nurse like Alex would have to do the same thing. Like she sees people pass away. Oh, my god! But like she also is able to help people and send them off and help nurture them through their recovery and then send them off into the world to mm-hmm. be alive humans so yeah it's it's not a profession like both i appreciate and it's just not something i'd i'd rather look at excel documents and graphs all day opposed to life and death me too so as we said earlier what this is, is life the otaku brothers podcast we're yeah. gonna get into that bracket here at the tail end of the show uh or the back half i should say because it's gonna be the bulk of this episode but ryan well first we have to get into as we always do here on the show the games that we've been playing recently you've been playing much this week other than watching other people play stuff no i just i watched um it's more shows really this week i watched dylan the the youtube channel play detroit become human yeah become human oh, David Cage. which i had seen uh about half of the playthrough originally and then i stopped um but yeah a really interesting game it's i'm not good at quick time stuff or making decisions because then i i overanalyze stuff 
Um, but it, it was a good game. Mm. I, I think watching you play it on stream will be a good time if you... I think that was one of the ones that you wanted. For- yeah, I'd like to play all three of David Cage's games. Uh, that one, Quantic, what did you just say it was called? Uh, Detroit? Detroit Become Human, I'm sorry. And then um, Beyond Two Souls was the other one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also watched him play Until Dawn, which we had played oh, yeah. last year. for Or two years ago, I think, at this point. Um, and then as far as... I, I also... I think yesterday was the premiere of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, how was that? It looked great. It, I mean, it was entertaining. It's, I think what's killing those... It's not because of a Marvel overload, because it's been a while since Endgame. But the week-to-week and not just dropping an entire season so like the witcher wouldn't have been as awesome to me if they dropped episode to episode yeah i think whoa <laughs> it's all right puberty hits us late i mean 28 you're good that's the that's the age man it's your heart. you're wondering about the the 27 number and you little did you know you're gonna puberty too mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean wandavision suffered from pacing for me yeah and i i'm gonna see I see it already happening with Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's going to be the same kind of critique. Um, and Disney's not going to launch an entire season because that's not how you get money. Yeah. But I, I might probably take off as much as I want to know what happens. It's this kind of base premise, not really spoilers, but it's right after Captain America. I guess spoilers for Endgame. Captain America gets old and he passes on the shield to Falcon and Falcon doesn't want to take up the mantle, and it's kind of what happens after Steve Rogers passes on. Gotcha. So they kind of laid the groundwork in this episode, um, but similar to WandaVision for the first couple episodes, it's going to be really slow as they pick up stuff. Okay. And I might just probably wait on that until I get more of an entire season, but spoilers are going to be the... The landmines I'll try to avoid. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, you don't really get on Twitter much, so you're probably fine for the most part. It's more Instagram. Like, for WandaVision, there are screenshots of, like, her going all, like, crazy or, like, red eyes and stuff that you're like, ah, crap. Or, like, YouTube videos. But, yeah, we'll see what I end up deciding. Um, I, I Game-wise, Cookie Clicker, I'm not going to rant about that again. Um, I got back into RuneScape because it's just a background kind of as I'm watching. And then there Forge of Empires. I don't know if you've ever heard of this game. It's just an RPG on your phone that uh, I played. I haven't. Is this like a tower defense thing or is this more? No, it's you buy different buildings and you're trying to progress through the ages. So you start out kind of in the Stone Age. Oh, heck yeah. Build some buildings. You get coins, uh, like building resources, and then you have specific per the age. So, like, for some ages, you have silk and copper, and then you progress through from Stone Age to the technical, like, future. The Nano Age. Yeah. That's the good stuff, man. I mean, Empire Earth is one of my favorite games on PC. I never played 2 and 3. I think I have them on GOG, but Empire Earth, the first one, you start out in kind of the prehistoric age where you have a bunch of cavemen running around, and then you progressively build up your empire to be this massive arsenal of dudes. Eventually, you're, like, literally robots and... All kinds of stuff like that. But yeah. those are great games. I yeah. love those real-time strategy-type games. I think we talked about it last episode, my love of Battle for Middle-Earth 2, Lord of the Rings, of course. But it's it's only a matter of time before I finally start playing PC games more regularly because mm-hmm. I have all of this stuff downloaded on Steam and GOG. But I know the moment I end up booting something up, like it's game over for me. I'm just yeah. only going to be playing those RTS games. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're avoiding it. You bought an Xbox to avoid it, right? That's right. Yeah. So OG Xbox. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I I really enjoyed. I just think it's interesting to see like the technology. Um, what was it? What was that game that we listened to the music? Was it War of Ages? I think was the game. Oh, that song is so good. Oh, it's so good. Um, but seeing the progression of technology and then fighting previous, uh, what eras? Yeah. So yeah, it's a ton of fun. Uh, it's, it's free to play if that has any stigma. What's the name again? Forge of Empires? Forge of Empires. Okay. It's grown a lot. I, maybe four years ago, this is a college game for me, so a while ago, mm-hmm. um, did I find this, but yeah. It's, All it's right, a good so time. golden question for you, Ryan. You know, oh, you've no. been a little... You've been playing a ton of games recently, all right? You've a little been a little uh, under the weather, I guess, as it relates to yes. playing games. So, no response to this. So, what is your question? My my question is like, what's the next game you're going to sink your teeth deep into? Well, I'm glad you asked, Rusty. Oh, thanks, man. Just a reminder to everyone: Friday, you Monster Hunter Rise comes out. Oh boy! Yes. So that is where I see my time going after this week and your life. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that I can't go up to Rick's like the following Monday to play Monster Hunter Rise, but I, I can't work f- while Monster Hunter Rise is in my hands. So. I fully anticipate, just <laughs> yeah. like Animal Crossing, you're going to be playing that game during work hours. Whoa. I always work during work hours. So Monster yeah. Hunter Rise is coming out. Well, I was also f- furloughed. So I was That's happy, right. happily fired, furloughed, whatever. Um, while Monster or Animal Crossing was out, uh-huh. I just I need to get furloughed again so I can play Monster Hunter Rise twenty four seven. Okay, but okay. yeah, did you ever pre order it or? I haven't yet. Uh, I don't expect that to be a difficult game to walk in the storm by. Okay, uh, so I don't know if I'm gonna pre order it or not, but but I do want to play it. I mean, like I said, I really want to get into Monster Hunter World at some point on PlayStation. And it'd be really great because now it's one of the PlayStation Plus collection games. Okay. So I could play it up here on PS5. Lauren could play downstairs on the PS4. And then you could, of course, could just be at your place. And yeah. the three of us could could squat up and, and kill some dudes. Yeah, monsters. that'd be a ton of fun. Um, could show us the ropes. Yes. I'll have to start over because I'd, I'd kill everything. I'm like one punch man at that game now. But. Yeah, but then I get the benefit of just slaying the monsters, probably still getting the trophy unlocks. Yeah, so what I was thinking was for the first kill I'd go through at your armor level um, so you get the experience of like, instead of like a five or three minute kill for where you're at, it would be like the normal 20, say 20 minute kill. Mm-hmm. Alright, so you get the experience of fighting the monster at its full power and you feel like you're going to die and you have to go through resources and manage all that stuff like it's supposed to be played and then say you want a specific armor from that monster i'll put on my really powerful gear and we can kill it in like three hits and we'll farm a lot quicker we'll do it right yeah so it's not i've put 350 hours into my character versus what you'll need is probably like 50 100 yeah you know what you should really do is you should invest in a playstation vita Okay. Because there's a lot of games that were kind of imitation Monster Hunter games on the Vita. And I don't mm. think there was a Monster Hunter game that released on that system. I'm sure you could get like Freedom Hunters Unite 1 and 2 through the, the PSN store. But you have games like Freedom Wars and Soul Sacrifice and God Eater and all these different things. We were actually, I think, looking at God Eater. 
you I, and your maybe friends? I think Rick and Ben and I were looking at it. Is that the one that's like kind of like an anime mm-hmm. Monster Hunter? Well, most of them are. I mean, you have games like Ragnarok Odyssey as well. Uh, those are more. I don't, I don't want to say we, but there's definitely a lot more anime RPG in it yeah. than the stuff you're seeing in Monster Hunter tradi- traditionally. But I mean, I think the Vita would be a great investment for you. I mean, not only for the Monster Hunter clones. Mm-hmm. What a great library! But for all the old PlayStation games, that I've yeah, Vita Island Unite. I know, I know. There's some people out there still playing the Vita. What's a Vita go for nowadays? Um, you know, I haven't checked the market for those just because I'm pretty comfortable with the Vita I have. But I would say you could probably find one for about 150 used. Okay. 120 maybe. That's not terrible. Yeah, yeah, nothing too expensive. But I mean, I think. If you're going to invest in a Vita, you better do it now, sooner rather than later. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's only a matter of time before that library either continues to or begins to increase in price for the games. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. it's got a, just a very niche library. It's not too extensive and robust. And so I think it's just those that select library of games is going to eventually go up. Okay. Yeah, I can take a look. Yeah. I mean, there was also the leak of, was it Switch Pro? potentially coming out so i dude i don't put any stock in nintendo rumors all right until you know uh, until it's in my hands <laughs> until doug bowser himself comes forward and says that that stuff's coming out i, I don't believe it okay that's fair so, yeah so yeah i mean really that's all i've been playing um and really watching i guess my plan for this week is one get hyped for monster hunter and then i bought justice league in a the original Justice League. No. Why would you do that to yourself? Because it was before the Snyder Hut. Like I'm, I want to see the original first, and it wasn't full price. I'm not stupid. It was in like a bargain bin for like three bucks yeah. at Walmart. So, um, I want to see that original cut. I've heard it's you have to be drunk to watch it because it's the wor- one of the worst movies of all time. Are you watching it tonight? Probably. That and Fast and the Furious. It depends on what time we get out of here. My game plan for this afternoon was get some local Chinese place. Heck yeah. Which is going to be a new tradition on Saturdays after we record. I thought we were going to go to the thrift store, bro. Oh shit, yeah, you're right. Let me pick up Chinese, then we can go to the thrift store. Okay. We'll make a bunch of traditions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a day of just riding Rusty. And then, um, yeah, probably Justice League and Fast and the Furious... Um, Justice League will probably be clean my apartment kind of movie. Yeah, that's just background. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it's noise. Um, but yeah, Fast and the Furious, I want to pay attention to. Heck yeah, you do. Yeah. So number six, I'll eventually, probably next week, have more impressions. Good stuff, man. Good yeah. stuff. What have you been up to for games? Uh, for me, I've been kind of dabbling in a number of different things. So last couple weeks, I've been talking about uh, Final Fantasy twelve. Yes. The Zodiac Age. Haven't made much more progress in that. That's kind of on the back burner. At least for this week, I'm hoping, 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 nice. uh, I'm hoping <laughs> tonight while Pete is doing some eBay streams, if you're not familiar with Pete Door, he's a great Twitch streamer and every Saturday night he has about five to six hour streams where he literally just browses eBay and finds deals for his viewers. So definitely consider checking him out if somehow you're listening to the Otaku Brothers podcast and you don't know who Pete Door is. Yeah, we've never mentioned him before. We don't shout him out every 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so maybe tonight I'm hoping to get back into Final Fantasy XII, but I took a break from that and played some other things, the first of which is Homefront The Revolution. Never heard of that game. So the first Homefront game came out, I think, on the 360 PS3, and then I think... Is it, it like a shooter? 
Yeah, it was first okay. person shooter. Didn't do super well. And then the second one also didn't do super well. It was kind of met with lukewarm reception. Mm. But it's kind of the perfect game for the mood I'm in. You know, okay. earlier this week I was browsing the store and there was just a number of sales in the PSN store. And I found Mirror's Edge Catalyst, which is the sequel to the first Mirror's Edge game, okay. which I haven't played yet, but I have a copy on PS3. And Catalyst was like three or four bucks. So I'll eventually play those games. And then Homefront Revolution was also like three or four bucks. Okay. Does it live up to your low expectations? It does. Yeah. It nice. is exactly the three or four dollars that I paid for it. And premise, it's basically set in a alternative history where North Korea ends up taking over the United States. Nice. You play as this guy named Ethan Brady, and you're basically a part of this underground resistance movement to try and take back America. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And so really the game pitch you as this dude, you're getting ready to be executed, but then someone else from the resistance comes in and saves you. Sounds like Skyrim. Yeah, pretty much. And then you go into the underground tunnels and find out that there really is just this huge movement of people that are trying to build an army together to then have enough people to overthrow. And so then mm. it's at this point, an open world first person shooter, very reminiscent, like think Dead Island meets Far Cry. I know okay. you haven't played Dead Island, and I know you haven't played Far Cry. Whoa, I've played Far Cry. But the listeners out there will probably be able to imagine uh, a game where, you know, you mod your weapons, but there's also a lot of bases that you have to, or outposts that you have to take over. Is it the same kind of style where you climb up posts, opens the map, and then you kill pigs for, like, bullet, like, more bullets? No, there's nothing like, they don't have the the carving of animal skins to build stuff like okay. you do in far cry it's more the outposts that are littered across the map okay. that you end up taking over and so you kind of do all of that at your leisure and then there are a number of missions in these different disc districts like saving citizens that are being brutalized by these uh north korean whatever people mm -hmm. um the movement of people that ended up taking over america um one of the objectives is turning radio stations to the revel or the resistance movement. Okay. So you turn the radios from like the corrupt station to like the good station. And then you basically fill this meter from 0% to 100% all in an effort to turn these citizens around to say like, hey, we're building this movement of people to overtake them. Join us. Really what you need to do is just fly over with a bunch of copies of the interview just across the... United States and drop that and the second they watch the interview they'll know they're on the wrong side yeah so un unfortunately James Franco and Seth Rogen yeah, are Kim not Kim Jong-un likes Katy Perry fireworks are, are <laughs> so. not present in this game uh, but it's a very competent first person shooter I wouldn't really I, I would not recommend people pay any more than like five to ten bucks for this but if you're looking for a, a fun weekend game where you can turn on a podcast run around, and in a very Far Cry fashion, take over outposts, do many side quests, outfit your weapons, you know, you have your standard pistols, assault rifles, sniper rifles, and then you kind of grind a bunch of cash so you can then outfit it with silencers and scopes and all that kind of stuff. It's a pretty fun game, and for me this week, I just needed something mindless to kind of tune out uh, at the end of a long work day. What system did he say this was for? You can get on anything, PC, Xbox, PlayStation. Okay. It's weird to think that like thousands of man hours boils down to a consumer in his late 20s ranting on a podcast saying it's only worth $3. <laughs> like 
you know? Well, and that's the thing. Like, I was reading reviews because I'm like, is this really worth my time? Because I couldn't remember if this got like a 20 on Metacritic or if it was more like around 50, 60. Mm-hmm. And it was more around 50, 60. And most of the reviews said that, you know, there's actually a pretty solid story there. But gameplay wise, it's very repetitive. The AI is actually terrible because really? as you kind of recruit these people into your cause, the resistance, you can bring them along to side quests with you. And so for me, my approach to playing Far Cry games when I'm taking over these outposts is to do it as stealthily as possible. Yeah. Not alerting any of the guards, turning off all the alarms, and then picking people off with a sniper rifle. So the moment I recruit a person in the game like Homefront the Revolution, I'm um, kneeling down, crawling my way through this outpost or this warehouse, thinking like, okay, they've they had to have programmed the AI to kind of mimic whatever I'm like doing. You're stealthing, I'm stealthing. No, I like... I, I start crawling through the level, and then they just start running in, guns blazing. guns blazing, taking people out, the alarms go off, and then it turns mm. into basically Gears of War horde mode, where it's just waves and waves and mm. waves of enemies that come at you before you yeah. can overtake the outpost. So can you, like, you're sniping from a roof, and they decide to go all kamikaze, you just use them as, like, a, a meat puppet and just throw them into the middle? as a distraction you just snipe them all kind of but it's not like a, a tom clancy rainbow six game where you can program them to go to certain places or hold up or you know yeah there's really no way to control the ai other than come with me or don't come with me okay that's so good. i think it it definitely wasn't reviewed well for a good reason you know the ai is bad they encourage stealth stealth doesn't work uh it's just very repetitive you go from point a to point b very fetch questy type missions and that all sounds bad, but like if you really are looking to kind of just unplug, turn off your brain, play a mindless first-person shooter with plenty of side quests, look no further. Homefront the Revolution, five bucks. I think it's worth it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was I was feeling that maybe a month or so ago, and I was just, I hopped into Modern Warfare Two, mm-hmm. which is a classic, but with good mechanics. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of Call of Duty, I um I think the last Call of Duty that I ended up purchasing was probably. Maybe Modern Warfare 2, the OG Black Ops or World at War, whichever one came out first. I don't even remember at that at this point. I think it was yeah, Modern Warfare 2. But um I ended up getting Cold War okay. as part of the bundle that I was able to secure for Chronolink 91 cool. for his PS5. And I told him, because it came with Miles Morales, the console, an extra controller, and Cold War. And I said, You can have all of this, but I actually kinda want Cold War. If you don't <laughs> it, I got this for you. Out of millions of people looking for it. So, so that I could get a copy of Call yeah. of Duty. And he's like, yeah, not a big deal. Take Call of Duty. But then I grabbed the copy and I, you know, flipped it over. And it requires a minimum of 285 gigabytes just to download. 285? Holy shit. That's like... God of War's like 60. Yeah. Most games are probably like 30 to 50. Red Dead's... What? Red Dead's like 108 or I know. something like that. So it was Final Fantasy VII Remake. Two, almost 300. What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. I mean, Fallout 76 is probably closer to 300 because of how many patches they've had to do, but your base game is 300. Yeah, dude. So I was fuck. like, no, you know, I... <laughs> you can have it back. Here you go. No, but it's just like, I don't want to have to, you know, because I have my standard games that I always have downloaded on my PS5 mm-hmm. right what now. What are those? Um, right now, it's Kingdom Hearts. It's Everybody's Golf and Madden, Astro's uh, Playroom. Okay. Just games that, like, I want to pick up and play. Just to, randomly. Yeah. yeah. 
And those four or five games, I don't really want to, because right now for me, it doesn't bother me that, you know, I have my four to five standard games on my PS5, and then I have the game I'm working on, like Final Fantasy XII or Homefront yeah. the Revolution. And as soon as I'm finished with those games, like, I'm probably not going to go back to Final Fantasy XII after I beat it for a couple years, if ever. Yeah. You know, so I'm okay deleting that and then downloading the next game for me, like Balan Wonderworld. Mm-hmm. But because I really want to just try the campaign for Cold War and maybe play, play a couple online missions, I'm not willing to clear my entire PS5 hard drive to, for that, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Do or at least know, half of it. Do you know what the reviews for Cold War got? Or do you know if it was up there? Yeah, I think, I think good it things. reviewed pretty well. Like okay. 8s, 8.5s, okay. stuff like that. So did he give it back? Or did you still have Cold War? No, it's right there. Okay, yeah. I, I might steal that from you. I don't know if I have 300 megabytes. I mean, I for me, I always have, like Astros, I think is required. Um, I always have Bloodborne, or Bloodborne's not that big. That seems unlike and you. And then Dark Souls 3, I always have. Because mm-hmm. I can always, at, like, randomly at the night, like, oh, I want to work on this character or whatever. But 300 megabytes, dude. Good job, whoever. Activision, I assume. Yeah, I just don't know, like... How many assets do they have on screen, or what is in that game that's causing it to be so? Because you always expect stuff like Madden and 2K to be a lot because it's just a sports game. Like even on the PS2, it was like 3,000 kilobytes to get a copy of Madden or uh, to create a franchise in Madden back then. So you yeah. always anticipate that. But Call of Duty, man, the, over the years they've just it's gotten insane. Yeah, I don't know if they're. I feel like 300 megabytes is virtual reality gigabytes but yeah what i say you said megabytes oh well terabytes (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure that's what the next game's gonna be it's like the first terabyte game and it's gonna look like ass probably so all right good job call of duty yeah i didn't think i'd ever talk about you again but you managed to sneak into my conversation uh so Moving on to other things. Besides not playing Call of Duty, what yeah. else have you played? <laughs> uh, Mario Tennis Aces. Okay, yeah. Huge Mario Tennis fan. Love the N64 game. I love the Mario sports games in general. I really don't think I've played a Mario Tennis game since the N64. I know there's one yeah. like Power Tennis on GameCube, and then they remade that for Wii. I think there's like a, a 3DS one. There's a whole bunch of them, but I just never really got into them post-N64. Yeah, I think the only time I played this was N64, and we never actually owned it. We played it at the Orthodontist. Really? So, like, when Lauren was getting braces, I was beating the crap out of Mario characters in tennis. Oh, it's so good. That and, like, a dirt bike game, but, yeah, it's been a while. You know, Mario Tennis on the N64 is so good. The music is just terrific. And I wasn't really anticipating much with Tennis Aces on Switch. I had heard it was okay, yeah. and I was able to get it on sale for 38 bucks, which is about the cheapest you're ever going to get a first-party Nintendo yeah, no game kidding. on Switch. So I said, might as well snag it up. And I'm actually pretty pleasantly surprised with it so far. Really? I, I heard rumblings that there was an adventure mode, so like an actual story-based mode, yeah. which is really why I wanted it to begin with, because... It's fun to play with with friends, but ultimately I love when Mario sports titles, particularly Mario Golf, have an adventure-based mode yeah. built into it. Because it could become really... Com- and golf is more of the exception because there's so much variety, but tennis, I could definitely see being repetitive if you're just going to go in and say, play on this type of court. Exactly. So. And so I booted up, and it was 
one of the most ridiculous stories to kick off the game. Really? Because, you know, they have to pen Just something. Another North Korea took over Mario Land and <laughs> like you have to take over outposts quote-unquote tennis courts <laughs> it's close to that honestly really? yeah so the beginning of the game like waluigi Galaxy. waluigi and wario are like just mining okay. and they end up uncovering this uh powerful uh racket called lucian the arkenstone <laughs> well so yeah. then they go into like this whole history lesson about how there was this king basque dude who recognized Lucian's power for what it was. And so he stripped the power and divided the power of this tennis racket into five stones and then spread the five stones across this island. But then the king resurfaces and, like, turns Luigi evil. Then Luigi takes, like, Daisy, uh, Wario, and Waluigi and captures them. So then Mario has to go on this quest to gather the five stones, bring power back to the racket, the tennis racket, Lucian. But the weird thing is he can only wield the stones if it's in a glove. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. ridiculous. It was one of the most... Are you, are you shitting me? Is that really that's, like, it's Avengers Endgame in... That's re- that's legit, the, 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 yeah, the story. Wow, that's intense. But, I mean, ridiculous story aside, it's actually really fun. So basically think or picture Super Mario World, kind of that general overworld. Mm-hmm. We have all the little mini dots leading to a larger dot that is an actual level that you have to either uh, face someone in a traditional tennis match. Yeah. Or there's actually less tennis matches against other characters, and it's much more about all of these random mini games that you have to perform. And so there's all kinds of different moves with your tennis racket. Um, I'm not well versed in the tennis world, but there's like lobs and smash hits and upper hits and down hits or whatever. Okay. So you have to kind of pluck through all of these different mini games. Eventually you face bosses and, um, yeah. Fighting Andre Agassi or Federer. No, I feel it. No, it's typically like the piranha plant and stuff like that. But I mean, I think piranha plants nickname is Nadal. Yeah. Yeah. So. No. But uh, no, it, it's a lot more fun than I anticipated it to be. So I'm thankful or I'm glad that we ended up snagging it. So then the main character you play as is Mario or? Yeah, you only play the... as Mario. Okay. And as you go through all of the different mini games and fight the various different people, or not fight them, but obviously face off in a, in a tennis match, you accumulate experience points. And as you accumulate experience points, that ends up building out your rpg attributes like okay, that's cool agility um swing power uh do you unlock more characters for like match play kind yeah of? And you unlock more characters you unlock new tennis courts uh and eventually i think there's over like there's like 20 to 30 characters there's okay. like 10 plus courts i mean it's a it's a far ro- more robust tennis game that i thought it was going to be I thought this was something that they kind of just, like, spit out and didn't yeah. put a whole lot of effort into. Yeah, because I'm trying to think what type of, like, you like grinding coins in Mario Kart. So what type of similar activity that would have in this one? Well, you could go back to the earlier, um, like, mini games, mm-hmm. And no matter how many times you do those mini games, you're still accumulating experience points. Oh. And leveling so, up. So you can grind. Yeah, so Mario of- right now for me is, like, level 14. Okay. Yeah. He just aces everything, just gets swole. It's surprisingly a pretty challenging game. Is it? Yeah, it's not one of Good. the... It's not like Mario Tennis on the N64 where you could kind of just 
mash the A button your way through the game. Like mm-hmm. it's it's surprisingly how difficult it is. That's good. Yeah. Thanks. So it's presenting a nice challenge. I've already gotten two of the stones though. So it's only a matter of time before I face off with Thanos and <laughs> yeah. recruit I, Thor. Was it that Yoshi's story as well? Weren't there like stones? Yeah, like there as was. Well? Yoshi's uh crafted world. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Everything's a ripoff of the uh, Avengers, I guess. I don't know. You snap it, people out of existence, and then all of a sudden Yoshi and Mario characters want in on the yeah. action. So, yeah, it, it's it's fun. I'm enjoying it. But outside of that, the last game I played last night, I didn't play it much. But that is Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. Uh, my wife, Lauren, ended up getting me a few games for my birthday. She got me this one, uh, A Plague Tale Innocence, which is a interesting horror game that I've been wanting to get for, uh, well, pretty much since it released. So that'll be probably a more october experience. And then nice. she also got me Hot Shot Racing, a physical copy on PS4, cool. which is the game that... Uh, our friend of the show, the person who's composed both of our intros, Jason Heine, he actually composed the soundtrack to that game. Very cool. Uh, really fun arcade racer. So Hot Shot Racing. If you haven't played it, check it out. You can get it for about 20 to 30 bucks on PS4, Xbox, and Switch. It might even be on Game Pass, so definitely worth checking out. Is Shot, shot Hots? Is Hot Shot Racing in the same universe as Hot Shots Golf? No, completely different. Okay. Not unre- not related at all. Okay, good. I didn't know if there was like some universe where like hot shots can race tennis and no, yeah. Okay, no. cool. No, but it's really great. And uh, so last night I played a little bit of Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, and it plays exactly like I anticipated it to. I didn't get it day one because I wasn't ready to buy or pay sixty bucks for it. Plus, it came out the same week as the PS Five. So there was no way I was going to get it. But I think Lauren was able to get it for like 50% off. So she got it for 30 bucks. Nice. And my goodness, I didn't think this would be as meaty as an experience as it is. Like I knew it would play similar to the Theatrhythm Final Fantasy games. So if you've played Theatrhythm Final Fantasy and Curtain Call on 3DS, and I know they exclusively released a Dragon Quest 1 in Japan, if you've played those games, it plays very similar to that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, instead of a touchscreen though, uh, the buttons have been mapped to X, L1, and R1. So in the beginning of the game, as you'd probably anticipate, you play as Sora, Donald, and Goofy. You're on Destiny Islands. And as you're on kind of this musical track and you come into uh, contact with Heartless, you have to time the X, L1, and R1 buttons as you're fighting those characters. Mm-hmm. And then there's other unique things where you hop in the air and press circle to jump with Sora and you kind of fly around to the beat of these musical notes and the game has the the difficulties that you would also expect from a Kingdom Hearts game, beginner, standard, and proud. I tried it on proud and I got my ass handed to me. So I've just been playing on beginner because I just want to kind of experience the brilliance of those uh, those soundtracks. And as far as I can tell... Uh, kind of the the world map. You're in a gummy ship, yeah. And it's if you've played Kingdom Hearts before, you know how to how you traverse from planet to planet. It's structured in that way. And as you clear all the tracks for one particular world, you move on to the next. And you still the whole map is technically unlocked. You can't play all the the levels, yeah. But you can fly through and see all of the different worlds. And as far as I flew up the map, they have everything through Kingdom Hearts two. Yeah, I'd be curious if they do three, and then if you get to play as different characters. 
So like the start of Kingdom Hearts two maps, if you get to play as Roxas, or if you're Sora and Donald. And I'm Goofy. pretty sure you do. Really? I think that'd they be have awesome. Bir- I think they have Birth by Sleep stuff too, so you can play as Terra, Aqua, and Ventus. That's a really uh, the map looks awesome. It it's very nice. I mean, Rusty was showing me before we started recording, and I don't know if I could do easy mode. Um, it w- I was expecting it to be similar to the Avicii because I never played the Final Fantasy ones, and the Avicii tells you the letter or the the buttons and the shapes you're supposed to click, and this one is you should know by where it is on the screen, mm-hmm. and I don't think like that. So. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a fan of rhythm games, I think this is worth playing. If you're a fan of the Kingdom Hearts games, and I know that there's a lot of people really don't have a fondness for the games, they just never hit home for them, and I think that's perfectly fine. Most people can all agree that the music is terrific. And so I think this game is more than worth your time. It has a tremendous amount of fan service for the Kingdom Hearts games, similar to the Theatrhythm Final Fantasy games. And for 30 bucks, I mean, there's like over 200 tracks in the game. So good. And I'm I'm looking forward to playing more. I think this will kind of be a staple for me this year, yeah. kind of like Animal Crossing was for last year, where you kind of just play it throughout the year. And it always brings a smile to your face. This is definitely going to be my comfort food game of uh, 2021, I think. Nice. I think that is a wrap on the games that we have been playing recently this week. We have to get into the main topic of the show. Yes. And this could be a very long episode. I didn't think we would be kicking things off with a 45-minute intro, but here we are. This is Otaku Brothers, and this is how we do it. Let it begin. So, as we've mentioned the past several weeks, we are going to be getting into the March Madness Otaku Brothers bracket. Over the past month or so, Ryan and I have been putting this together. We took 64 distinct characters from four separate companies. PlayStation, 
Xbox, Nintendo, and Square Enix. All right, so as March Madness brackets work, you have four quadrants, seeds one through 16. Ryan and I, because it's very subjective and I know it would have been very contentious if Ryan and I ranked a certain character of one seed versus another one, we randomized everything. So I literally wrote a formula in Excel. It randomized one through 16 for all 64 characters. And that's how all of this ended up coming to fruition and how we created it, all right? So there's really no subjectivity here as it relates to the seeding, but this is single elimination. Ryan and I are gonna be talking through each of these battles, narrating them. We have not filled out this bracket yet. That's what's gonna make this unique. We're doing this live on the show here with all of you. So if you've not put your bracket together yet, that's probably the best way to do this because we also have 10 possible landscapes where these characters are going to be battling. And just like we did the random seating, we're doing random battle locations. So Ryan has a random number generator pulled up on his computer over there. It's one through 10. He's going to say what number it is. And I'm going to say, okay, it's four. They're going to Sector Z, the Star Fox uh, ship from Smash Brothers on the N64. And then we also have unique weapons and abilities for all of these characters that Ryan and I prepared leading up to this recording. So each character is going to be able to bring in about two weapons and an ability. And then Ryan and I will go into and talk through who we think is going to win. And we're doing this all the way to the final battle, the final two, where two characters will square off and all they're walking away with is their life and a platinum trophy. All right. So yeah. uh, you ready for this, Ryan? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the listeners are ready because yeah. this is this could honestly be longer than our uh, our uh, our bracket two years ago where we were talking about sixty four distinct games. Because Ryan and I at that point had everything figured out. We had already filled out the bracket ourselves. Uh, whereas this time, this is all off the cuff. Yeah. Let the arguments begin. <laughs> Let them begin indeed, Ryan. So we are starting off top left quadrant. Today's episode, the plan is to get through all of PlayStation and all of Xbox. And then uh, next week we'll do Nintendo and Square Enix. And then uh, that'll also be the, the, the episode. The finale. Yeah. The finale. So here we go, Ryan. Top left quadrant, we have PlayStation. The first battle. We have a number one seed in Kratos from God of War facing off a 16 seed in Sly Cooper. All right, let's pick the battle. Where are they, where are they fighting? Number five. Number five, they're going to Hyrule Castle from Ocarina of Time N64 Smash Brothers. Many are probably familiar with that map. And uh, what do you have the characters bringing into battle? See, for Kratos... I think the long-range weapon, um, he's going to be have to deal with tornadoes right on this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking the long-range blades of chaos are going to be beneficial um, versus like the Leviathan axe. Okay. Um, and then the cane for uh, Sly. Sly ain't got much See, going He doesn't got much <laughs> when it comes to weapons. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm with you. I- I'm picking uh, Sly with the uh, the cane. And Kratos has taken his Blades of Chaos. And so how does how does this battle go down? I mean, I, I feel like the only thing that Sly could really do is use the environment. 
mm-hmm. um, being a 2D surface <laughs> as the N64 was. I, I think he's going to have to use the tornadoes to try to throw off Kratos a little bit. Um, on the right side of the stage, he's also got some cover. So if Kratos is chucking those blades of chaos, he could potentially dodge roll. Mm. Uh, being a, the sleuthy bastard that he is, I think he could try to use that. Um, yeah, I think the second Kratos uses his, um, was it Spartan Rage, though? It's it's going to be all over. That's true. For Sly. Yeah, no, I love my Sly Cooper. All right. I think, you know, he's actually mic'd up and he's talking to, to Bentley little turtle yeah. and uh murray is even pride providing some insights into how he might be able to take down kratos but i think in the midst of him swinging his cane even with the tornadoes potentially throwing off kratos's game i, I think kratos just absolutely destroys sly yeah and kratos i mean in at least my opinion isn't his god form he's still his human form i think as we mentioned last year yeah um it's before he's killed a god so he's still i mean vulnerable I mean, besides being the muscly hunk that he is, right? He yeah. can still take a ch- like a the cane to the chest, but I don't think Kratos is going to let him get there. Yeah, I mean, let it be known. I think Kratos walks away from a few scuffs, like you know, yeah, some scrapes and bruises. But I still think nothing he, lethal. No, yeah, no, yeah, he's good. And it's also it also be, should be known that you know these people get to recover after these battles, so they go into the yeah, next they battle. sense you being yeah. up between exactly they throw a little senzu bean in but also there's no prep time so when they walk into the arena these people don't know ahead of time that they're facing off of sly cooper yeah against sly cooper it's always random i i feel like they're in a waiting room and then all of a sudden like the there's like 10 different stages around them and it just spins to where it decides right exactly yeah exactly no prep time for these people all right ryan uh so you're taking kratos yes i'm I'm taking taking Kratos. kratos To the next round. And uh, we, this next battle, we have an eight seed in Ellie from The Last of Us versus a nine seed in Lara Croft from the Tomb Raider games. And uh, where are they fighting? They're fighting at number two. Free ZZ Peak from Banjo Kazooie. It's slippery, Ooh. it's snowy, and there's room for error here. And uh, I think for me, Ellie is going to take. She's going to take a Molotov cocktail. Okay. Get some fire in there. Yeah, to kind of counter the the, the cold snow. And she's going to take... She has two main weapons. I'm thinking gun and bow. Yeah, maybe But it, right. it's what type of gun? I, I could... Probably a rifle. Or a machine gun, right? I'm thinking rifle and bow. Okay. Similar. Are you thinking like a... Like a machine gun rifle or just a regular rifle? Like a... I'm thinking like a uh, like a rifle rifle like oh, single the, pump action okay, bullet. So the rifley rifle opposed to the other rifle rifle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I'll probably pick a machine gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the bow is her precision weapon, and then the machine gun's kind of a last resort, kind of spray, desperate kind of attempt. Yeah. For me, and then I'll I'll take a Molotov Molotov cocktail as well. Okay. Yeah, I think the difference here between. Uh, Lara Croft and Ellie is that you know Ellie is far more brutal in the way her fighting style you know she's kind of down and dirty she gets into the uh, the weeds of it all where Lara Croft is a little bit more um, what tactical tactical I think well I I mean I think the ice place is good for Laura. She's got that ice pick or the cl- pick that she uses to climb environments. Mm, right. um, so instead of a Molotov for her I would be bringing the ice pick um, 
to allow her to climb up some of the environments. And then her tool, her uh, dual nine millimeter pistols. That plus a bow. Yeah. Or do, does the pist- dual pistols count as two? No, I, I think they're a group. That's that's a grouped weapon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that and a bow. This one, that's hard. I, I think the environment for me, with the benefit of the ice pick and getting the drop on Ellie, I think, I mean, Ellie's main benefit, she's immune to zombies, right? Mm-hmm. And there's not many zombies around. Um, non free And she keep. gets pretty screwed up in the games when it comes to human-on-human interaction without stealth. Mm-hmm. But with the having the high ground, as we've learned from General Kenobi, mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty big benefit. So I, I probably have to go with Laura on this one. I think so too, man. I think, you know, Laura, she she kind of camps out on uh, somewhere in Freezy's Peak. She does mm-hmm. have the high ground. She waits for Ellie to make a mistake, come out of hiding because Ellie does get impatient. Yeah. All right. When something sets her off, she has her mind set on that goal. She doesn't waver from it. And sometimes that's to her detriment. And I think that's what happens here. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, so I'm taking Laura. And I think Laura literally just comes out from above and just like sticks Ellie with the the ice picks. And even if Ellie starts to hobble her way away and starts to try and weasel her way out of that, I think Laura just pulls out her two, her dual nine millimeters. So she's just... going no mercy. She's not, I mean, because I mean, if she takes a merciful route, Ellie could turn around in like the end of battle as she's limping away and get Laura. Right. Yeah, this isn't Gladiator. There's no one putting a thumb up or down. Like, this person, there's no mercy. There, in it's just instant. Yeah. yeah, this is okay. fight to the death, regardless. So, I think uh, I think Laura... Laura moves on. ...ends up winning that battle. She's a nine seed. All right, Ryan, we keep moving along here. Yes. We've got uh, our boy Ratchet, and he doesn't have his pal Clank with him as a five seed, versus the Bloodborne Hunter. And they're going to be fighting a 12 seed. number nine. They're going to Grand Pulse, the open field of grass in Final Fantasy Thirteen. You have dinosaurs walking around. You have all kinds of distractions. But for the most part, it's a clean battlefield. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of room for error here. This is a pure test of skill. And, uh, yeah, Ratchet and Bloodborne Hunter got to fight it out. So what's Ratchet bringing? Um, for me, I'm bringing Tornado Launchers. Okay. All right, form some tornadoes and shoot, and then a disc blade, basically shooting bl- uh, like hand table saw blades. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then as far as the Bloodborne Hunter, he is an accessory. He's going to take some beast or beast blood pellets versus bolt paper. I, I think the issue for the Bloodborne Hunter is he's better at close range, and he you're is. in an open field. Um, so I'll probably take the beast bud pellets just to close the distance. Yeah. Um, and then I'll take as weapon number one, uh, auger of a which is within the game. It's where the, uh, they put their hands up and they shoot like a explosion that kind of goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think the definition is like, it's the energy of a dying star, um, in the Mikolesh fight. And then, as far as his hand-to-hand, that one's hard. I'll probably stick with my Holy Moon Blade. Okay. Um, because it's got some range to it with its magical mm-hmm. weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to be a hard one. Yeah, so for me, I think this is almost like an Indiana Jones situation. You know, the Bloodborne Hunter is going to come out with his axe, and he's going to be swinging around his blades of stars and dying 
black holes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, putting it's on, all about the black putting holes. Putting on this big old, you know, theater show, thinking that he's the hot stuff, he's going to win this battle, and Ratchet just pulls out a Devastator, which is a rocket. He comes into battle with his Omni-Wrench, too, just in case things get, you know, close quarters. Mm-hmm. But he takes his Devastator uh, rocket launcher, shoots one bullet, and the Bloodborne Hunter just turns into a mil- million little pieces of meat and dies. Oh, instantly. shit. Okay. That's quicker than our my fight that I'm see playing out. I, I think the I see them kind of in like a Western showdown kind of oh, yeah. setting. Um and the Ratchet's probably gonna use that tornado launcher, shoot a tornado, and the bloodborne I mean, depending on the size of the tornado, I see the bloodborne hunter getting launched up into the air. Mm. Um and with that extra range that's where he's going to whip out the dying star, the auger of Abridus, and oh just th- like destroy the battlefield with all of this exploding energy. Um, but Ratchet's a crafty, fast kind of guy. He's nimble. He's fast. Yeah. So the the problem with being in the air is you're kind of stuck with gravity. Um, so you're pretty vulnerable being up there. And he kind of blew his load shooting his star and doesn't have... Before he gets to the ground, much that he can do. Um, so that's where he's going to take out that disc blade and just start pumping the hunter full of blades. Okay. And, yeah, I, I think Ratchet's going to have to win this one for you me. You think Ratchet's going to win? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I thought the... I, I think the vulnerability of being up in the air and then being quick kind of gets him around most of the attacks when he's vulnerable up there. Okay. That's fair enough. That That's a... Uh... An intense battle on Grand Pulse, but uh, we got to keep moving, Ryan. All right. We're not stopping for anything. Ratchet it is. So yeah, both of us, I think, have all of the same people winning, but uh, we'll see how things play out here. So we have Solid Snake, a number four seed, versus Jack from the Jack and Daxter series of games as a 13 seed. Ryan, where are these two people battling? They're going to be fighting at number eight. So they're going to Sentinel Beach. This is home turf for Jack and Jack and Daxter. This is one of the first places that you visit in Jack and Daxter, the Precursor Legacy. He, so he's used to it. He's used to running on the sand. It doesn't phase him, doesn't bother him. So this is uh, unfamiliar territory for our boy Solid Snake. So what weapons do you think they're going to be bringing to the fight? Well, unfortunately for Jack, he hasn't seen Jack 2 yet. So this is just bare bones. He's got his double jump. He's got his kick. He's got his punch. That's it. Yeah, but he's been doing leg day, so those quads pack a punch. Well, I'm not saying he's not ripped. Yeah. He's not jacked, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Only cheesy jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that. And then Solid uh, Snake, I mean, he's got his M9 pistol with the silencer, and he's got his box that he's going to hide under, but that's that's about it. Yeah, I, I think the box is going to be, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb being on the beach. Um, not many boxes around but I, I think the stealthiness, I mean, and the long range capability of Snake is gonna put Jack at a big disadvantage. Mm. Um, I don't know if Jack can close the distance quick enough to and out. I don't know stealth, Solid Snake. So what do you, who do you think is you know? I, I think here? it's gonna be Snake. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I think it's gonna be Snake. Yeah, I don't think he's going to kill him. I don't know. I don't think the terrain benefit of Jack is going to out 
advantage outweigh or outweigh mm-hmm. um, the disadvantage of a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, so, yeah. So I think uh, I'm going to disagree with you here. Really? I think Jack with the home turf absolutely wins. I think Solid Snake's going to think he's you know, he's going to pull a fast one on Jack. He's like, oh, this is the perfect place. I'm going to buckle down here in my little box. He's not going to know where, you know, I am. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right next to him is a precursor warp. Oh. And so Jack is like, okay, well, you know, he thinks that he's going to pull a fast one on me hiding behind a precursor orb, but that's where I got to go. That's where my mission is. I got to collect the precursor orbs. Got to collect like a hundred of them. So, the- so how does he end up killing him? Well, I think like he typically does, he busts open those boxes like there's nobody's business. And so he busts open the box. Snake is disoriented. He's kind of uh, paralyzed of sorts. Mm-hmm. Firstly, because he didn't think Jack would find him and he was just going to wait all night and day until Jack got tired. Yeah. And then Snake was just going to pull up behind him and put a couple bullets in the back of him. Mm. But Jack is an investigator by nature. So he's going to find him. He's going to bust open the box. He's paralyzed, not only in fear, but also just kind of, uh, he's disoriented. Yeah. And then Jack just beats the holy hell out of him. Okay. All right. Death by bludgeon it is. (laughs) And then Daxter's in the background cheering him on, you know? Yeah. So. Nice. So yeah, I'm picking Jack, the underdog. He wins as a 13 seed against, uh, Salt snake. Snake. A number four seed. All right. So this battle is actually going to be this one's going to be really rough. intense. So this is Jin Sakai Sakai. Yes. From Ghost of Tsushima, uh, a six seed, versus our girl, our girl Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn and eventually Forbidden West as an eleven seed. Yeah, this is a toss up. And where are they fighting, Ryan? This actually could play. This it could be a heavy influence into who wins this battle. Yes, and we I think we got the best one for them to fight in. Number one, the medical pavilion. Yes. See, I was thinking the best place for them would be the Olympus Coliseum because then it really would be a true test of skill and brawn. Yeah, I I think both of these guys have. I mean, more Jin being the stealthy ghost. Uh, but Aloy's got some stealth in there. She does. Uh, I, I think they're they're tied with their bow capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to come down to uh, Jin's got his sword or his katana, and then Aloy has her spear. Um, yeah. And there's no creatures for her to um, kind of possess. Yeah. So I, I think they're pretty similar when it comes to the main weapons. It's, I don't know, this is a toss-up for me. It is. So just to remind people, they're at the medical pavilion. This is from Bioshock. It's dark. It's creepy. There's multiple levels. There's room for movement. There's room to hide. So you have two people that are relatively uh, known for their stealth capabilities. And I see this going down with Jin. He's bringing, of course, his katana. He's bringing some smoke grenades just in case he needs to, to vanish to regain his footing a little bit. And uh, Aloy, of course, is bringing her, uh, what the heck is that little uh, silent spear? Is that what it's called? Yeah, silent spear. And she's bringing her bow just in case she needs to do some long distance shooting. And I see her kind of like wandering around the pavilion, Jin's hiding in the rafters. He tries to also, very much like Snake, pull a fast one on Aloy by doing a stealth takedown. Yeah. I think Aloy has better hunter instincts than that. She knows it's coming. So she dodges out of the way. And I think these two literally just have a fight 
to the finish with her spear, his sword. And I think at the end of the day, Jin takes the more honorable route. He's beaten. He knows he's beaten. He can't fight any longer. Aloy honors him or gifts, I guess, allows him an honorable death and he dies by seppuku. Okay. And Aloy ends up winning. So you're going more the samurai version of Jin opposed he to He doesn't ghost. understand why and she wants to keep fighting, but he he pleads and says, "Please, Aloy, allow me to die an honorable death." Okay. I I I'm towards the end of the game where he's given up his honor and taken on the mantle of the ghost. He's just a savage. Yeah. So he's the ghost of Shushima. Um, so for what I'm going to use for him, uh, katana and bow as the kind of main weapons. And then similar to you, I'll probably use a smoke bomb as the accessory. And then for Aloy, I see her taking the bow. And then instead of the spear, I see the rope caster. Okay. And this is the weapon where it basically is kind of like a trip mine. So in the corridors, I see her laying out... A few different traps for Jin. Um, so, probably, th- I don't know what the full capacity is, probably five or six of them around the hallways. And she'll probably get into a scuffle with him at long range, like a bow uh, exchange. Okay. And I see him being diligent enough to avoid most of the rope casters, but he'll end up tripping on one of them which kind of puts him at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and as she tries to close with the bow, she doesn't really have the, because she doesn't have the spear, she doesn't have the ability to kill him easily without the, using her bow. Mm. He's going to use a smoke bomb, kind of clear and disorient her, and then in her confusion, though he's injured from this explosion, he didn't lose a leg or anything, He's, but he's pretty roughed up. Yeah. Um, I see him in her kind of frantic look, trying to look around, stabbing her with the blade. Wow. So Aloy, Aloy goes down then. Aloy goes down, but it, it's a close match. Yeah. I, I think these are pretty two on par characters. Yeah. I think in terms of like the best battles that we're going to have, especially right off the bat at the first round. I think this matchup's up there. I don't know if there's any other yeah, battles that are better than this. I think this is the real deal here. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to be a spectator in this match. Yeah, I mean, they have very similar weapons and somewhat different approaches depending on where you pick Jin in his kind of progression. Yeah. Um, but well, good yeah. on uh, Aloy. Yeah. You know? She definitely w- was went down fighting. She did. Uh, but I have her winning. A little upset here. A little 11 seed versus the 6. But uh, Jin moves on for you. Yes. Good stuff. Uh, this next match I see is... Uh, this will be over and done rel- relatively quickly. Uh, we have Joel a number three seed, of course, from the Last of Us games. And we have Sir Daniel Fortesque as a 14 seed. I probably butchered the uh, the last name there. But this, of course, is from the Medieval games on the PS1, recently remade for PS4. And he's honestly just a skeleton of a man, you know, literally. And all he has is a big giant <coughs> shield that almost looks like the Hyrulean shield yeah. from Link and uh, a giant broad, uh, I guess, iron sword, if yes. you will. Uh, so who do you... Uh, so, well, first of all, where so are they the, fighting? Yeah, the location is number seven. Our old Yarnum. Old This is a Yarnum. fitting mood for Sir Daniel. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I think 
for originally I was thinking for this, Joel is going to have the advantage because he has the opportunity to have like shotguns. Yes. And it would be a pretty quick battle. But I think Old Yarnum has a lot of nuance to it. Are we having it full of enemies like Old Yarnum is? Um, I think that the battlefield has been cleared for the purposes of the fight. Okay. So we just kill everyone. Yeah. All right. I, I don't know how much more advantage. So you, like uh, you had mentioned, the skeleton guy has a sword shield versus Joel who has access to grenades, uh Shotguns, I think it was what I'd probably choose. Pipe bombs, Molotov cocktails. Yeah, and then probably a pistol for mm-hmm. more accuracy and close range. I mean, shotguns as well, but I don't know. I, I don't think the advantage of the kind of corridor similar to the pavilion being too much of an advantage. I, th- I don't see a clunky skeleton carrying a shield to be as stealthy as Joel. Joel, throughout trying to avoid zombies has kind of mastered that stealth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it'll probably be longer than I originally thought, not just over and done. Um, but I think it's cat and mouse and the cat's going to win. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Joel has the upper hand with his stealth capabilities. I think, you know, he brings a shotgun into battle. I think he brings uh, maybe a couple grenades or pipe bombs, whatever, whatever explosive things that he has at his leisure here and you know i think to to sir daniel's detriment i mean he's just he's a skeleton so he's making a bunch of noise he's also pure white and old yarnum is very muddy sticks out like a sore thumb and i think his bones are rattling all over the place so he never is with with uh joel always knows where he is on the battlefield yeah so i think that's to sir daniel's detriment and at the end of the day i think joel uh tosses a couple grenades blows um, you know, Sir Daniel tries to block it with his shield, and he does so relatively well, but he's also kind of rattled a little bit, gets thrown off of his feet, and then Joel just takes a shotgun and just blows him to a million pieces. Yeah, I mean, I, I think how, just to use the environment, in Old Yarnum you have that hunter with the chain gun at the top, um, who's part of the, what is it, the powder keg group. And I, I think if Skeleton was going to go up to that gun, he would be sticking out like a sore thumb, but he'd also have a chain gun. Mm-hmm. So it'll be up to Joel to survive being stealthy, going through the buildings and trying to make his way up to there. But the second he gets up there, I, I think it's over. Yep. I think Joel's going to win. I'm with you. Now this next battle, Ryan, pretty freaking interesting. We have Crash Bandicoot, a seven seed, Versus his PlayStation 1 rival, Inspiro the Dragon, as a 10 seed. Naughty Dog versus Insomniac. It's going down. And uh, where are they squaring off? Number one, the pavilion again. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I think the, the really nice thing about this battle is that it's it's pretty much a test of, uh, a pure test of skill. Because these yeah. two don't really have a whole lot going for them outside of their natural abilities with Crash Bandicoot just being able to jump on people's heads and doing his little twirl move and things like that. And then Spyro has, obviously, the ability to breathe fire because he's a dragon. Yeah, I think that's a big one. He also has his horn bash where he kind of puts his head down and just runs at you. But I don't know how much of an advantage that would take. I, I think in most of the other areas, the open kind of... that I mean, it would allow for a charge. 
But in the pavilion, I think besides being in the main kind of area where there's some open uh, space to run around, the corridors are not going to be conducive. They're not. Um, I think that's why, you know, for Spyro, he's going to have to make use of his ability to breathe fire in an accurate direction. Yeah. But the thing that Crash has going for him is that he's super nimble. He's hopping around like a little, like, basically Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. And I think that's going to really give Spyro a tough go. Yeah. I mean, I think Spyro's best play here would be to, I mean, as much as we just said the open area is good, I I think the corridor is what he's going to try to do. It's not going to be the halls that have, like, an L shape to them. It's going to be one of those lanes. And he's going to think because... The corridor is more narrow. I can basically charge forward and meet Crash head on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is going to be that Crash can just jump over Spyro. Spyro is not a huge dude mm-hmm. or dragon. Um, so I, I think the agility is going to be pretty hard. He's not going to want to jump on Spyro's head because he can bring his head up and he's going to get impaled by the horns. I think that's where Crash suffers in this instance because yes, I think he might have the ability to hop around a bunch, but he can't hop on Spyro because to your point, he has horns, he's a dragon, yeah. he has scales. So he's not just going to, you know, hop on his little his enemy until his enemy is rendered unconscious. Yeah. And so I think for that, Spyro has the upper hand in stamina. I think Spyro has the upper hand just because he's a literal dragon and Crash can't make use of his typical move sets. And so even if, you know, Spyro does his little charge move and Crash jumps and avoids it, then Spyro turns around and just roasts him. Yeah, I, I think Crash could, I mean, I think the way that the battle would be laid out for me is Crash is trying to run away from Spyro. Spyro's breathing fire down these hallways and it's a head off. Uh, Spyro's going to run, try to skull bash him with his horns. Uh, Crash is going to jump over him, grab his tail, and try to throw him in a wall. Mm. But the issue is, I mean, he can't punch him because he's got dragon scales. He has increased durability. And, I mean, he may hit the wall. He's not going to go unconscious from that. I mean, if you think of, like, those billy goats who just horn bash each other for Mm -hmm. mating, I I think it's going to be something like that. Um and then Spyro's going to thrash about, breathe fire everywhere, and just roast Crash. Yep. And then um, Spyro's going to have a little barbecue. Yeah, he's just going to eat him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor yeah. Crash. I don't I don't see him surviving this. I, I think if, like, later Crash, if he had, like, a rocket launcher, which I think he does in maybe some of the later games, um, he might have had a better chance. But I think the scales could have potentially still had the durability to take a rocket. Or the fire would have ignited the rocket before it got to Spyro. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think this is a rough one. I, I don't see many avenues for Crash to be winning. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, Ryan. So we get into this next battle here. We have Astro Bot from Astro's Playroom and Rescue Missions on VR. He's a two seed, of course. And uh, Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series is a 15 seed. Where are these two very likable characters? Facing off in number two. Freeze Easy Peak again. Yes. Well, I think Astrobot has the upper hand here because I don't think the elements are going to affect him at all. Yeah. No, I think he, I mean, depending on what form he wants to take in 
Astro's playroom, he has the monkey form for climbing. He has the ability to glide. Um, he has the ability to, to turn into a ball. And then he has rocket jetpacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's pretty versatile. I don't know if, if what two you would pick. Nathan, he's wearing like, what, a t-shirt and a scarf. Yeah. he He's never in any, I think, number two, I the second game where he's in the Alps. Mm-hmm. He isn't really dressed well for that either on some of those truck. He still manages, though. Yeah. Maybe he's superhuman. I don't know. I, I think the elements are going to be weighing on Nathan. And he doesn't have, from what I remember, he just climbs up the terrain as opposed to a pick mm-hmm. or anything like Laura Croft. So I, I think the the environment's going to play a big role in this. I think for me, you know, regardless of what the the suits that Astro takes with him, I think because the elements will never affect him, he's never going to freeze, I think he just continues to outmaneuver Nate, regardless of the weapons that Nate brings into battle. I mean, I have Nate probably bringing in the West 44, you know, with the giant handgun, and then he maybe brings in a dragon sniper. But I think because of Astro's elusiveness, I think he continues to get away from Nate to the point where Nate just runs out of energy and ends up curdling in the fetal position and freezing to death. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough way. I mean, I think also Astro's white, right? He can hide can in the snow. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he has that like kind of black area where his eyes are, but all he has to do is turn around the snow if he's trying to avoid Nathan as he tries to creep up on him. I'm with you. Um, and then Astro's playroom, he has access to like the bow, um, or really, I mean, throughout some of those Easter eggs throughout Astro's Playroom, really is access to most PlayStation weapons. That's right. Um, so for me, Astro's taking a bow. He's hiding in the snow as, yeah, Nathan's freezing to death because he's waited out a couple days. And uh, he'll shoot him in the legs a few times with the Aloy bow mm-hmm. and then plunge a great sword through his chest. Damn. Yeah, from a Monster Hunter. Rip so me. Nathan, you had a good run in your four games. You suck at Crash Bandicoot, <laughs> but it didn't save you from uh, the little robot. And that Sully's could. not here to bail you out this time, buddy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I think if Sully was here, it would be a two-on-one. So it'd be even Sully, Nathan versus two Astros. I, I think the tag team of those two, just the camaraderie alone, would warm the hearts and bodies of them. So I, I think they that would be a more even fight. Yeah, potentially. But then, you know, if he's getting a friend, then uh, Astrobot is bringing Robo from Chrono Trigger, and he's fucking both of them up, all right? Okay. That's fair. Listen, if he's bringing a pal, Astro gets a pal, too. <laughs> That's fair. But this isn't bring a friend to work day. No, right? or this to is... death battle day. Yeah. <laughs> this is... Which is equally as fun. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. Okay, Ryan. So this is my thought. I think we finish the entire PlayStation side until we get to the person that's getting to the final four. Okay. And then we'll hop down to Xbox. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. All right. So from the first couple battles now, it looks like I have Kratos. Yes. A number one seed versus Lara Croft, a number nine seed. And I've got that same battle. All right. And so where are they facing off? They are facing number 10. New one. Oh boy. This is going to be a good one. Because this is going to be Olympus, arena. Olympus Coliseum. Yeah. So this is this is kind of, to me, reminiscent of like a Sora and Sephiroth battle from Kingdom Hearts 1. Okay. And so yeah. how do you how do you see this going down? 
I, I think the best play for Kratos is still the Blades of Chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the start of the battle, he has the ability to... I mean, he, it's going to be hard for him to face off versus the guns. But he has the ability to quickly throw some blades at her to throw her off her guard. And then pull them back. Mm-hmm. And then the ability to use them in close range... Um, it depends on what Laura's able to do in the first few seconds. Yep, those are critical. When she's stable. Um, I A shotgun might be nice here. The bow is going to be worthless to knock it. And unless it's pre-knocked, but I, I think that's an unfair advantage. Yeah, the moment she locks that bow, she's already been impaled by the Blades of Chaos. Yeah. Um, so I, I think her best shot is probably a shotgun here. It, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, my, my thought is, you know, Lara opens up the battle as soon as they say go. She pulls out both of her dual 9mm pistols and just starts shooting as long as she possibly can. But, I mean, Kratos, he's going to be dodge rolling like a crazy person. And then he's going to just whip his little blades of chaos, break both of her hands. She's going to drop the guns to the ground, fall to her knees. And at that point, I don't even want to detail what Kratos ends up does doing just completely rips you her rip body her apart. In half. <laughs> yeah, literally rips her apart. It it depends on how many bullets can Kratos take. Yeah, I mean because he's used to arrows, right? And he's not used to getting shot. And this is pre God form. I mean, I don't know how many bullets you can take, but I probably could take one and not be happy and probably dead. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think depending on the accuracy of Laura, that's going to be the main. I think Laura could probably get a shot or two off before Kratos can fully, with the chain, I mean, it's going to be, she's going to be impaled at least once, but Kratos is also going to be taking bullets to the chest. Laura Croft doesn't miss her shot often. Yeah, so, I mean, she's, you have, triggers are pretty easy to pull. She's probably got three or four for each dual pistol. That's a good point. Into Kratos before she gets impaled. And, I mean, she she can grow back limbs. This is our bracket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sense But, like, means. she's probably losing something, and it's... He's fallen down after taking bullets to the chest. She's impaled. It's it's a bleed-out session. Who's going to bleed out first? Yeah, uh, no, I think she does, like, almost a... Um, an Enter the Matrix, if you've ever played that game. Bullet time, dive forward as soon as the match starts. Everything appears as if it's in sl- slow motion, Kratos whips his Blades of Chaos forward. She does kind of like a little twirl dive into the ground, fires off four to six rounds of her dual weapon or her dual pistols. Every single bullet enters Kratos' chest cavity and he just drops dead. And even everyone in the audience can't even believe it. Yeah, I I think this is an upset here. I, I think if Kratos were to lob off or impale laura once with anything you're hitting arteries i mean you chop off an arm you're losing blood way quicker than a few bullets yeah um so yeah i I think you'd go down very similar to that is an axe or blades of chaos you're not going to get too much when you're facing off a gun but in any other i mean the second he has his god powers or he's taking the god of war she's fucked yeah um, or really most of the weapons from uh, God of War 2 on. But 
Yeah, I think Laura's going to win here. I'm with you, man. I think Laura pulls up the upset. Yeah. All right. So we have a nine seed defeating, dethroning Kratos himself, the god of war, uh, a number one seed, and she moves on. And Ryan. Yes. We have different brackets here. We do? Yes. You have Jack versus Ratchet, and I have Ratchet versus Snake. Okay, so I have, yes, yeah, so Ratchet's a 5 seed, Jack is a 13 seed. I mean, the seeding is kind of irrelevant at this point. Yeah. Because it was more just that first round that it, it played a, a role in those first battles. But, um, all right, so where where is everyone scoring off, Ryan? Number nine. Back to Grand Pulse, Final Fantasy thirteen Again, open grass field, not a whole lot of other things that could play a role in determining this battle. This is, again, kind of a, a true test of skill, similar to Olympus Coliseum. So... Uh, how do you see Snake and Ratchet handling this battle? I, I think, what was the name of the rocket launcher you had? The Devastator. The Devastator, yes. Um, I, I don't think he's going to bring his tornado gun anymore, the tornado launcher. I think it's going to be, can he dual wield? Who? Uh, Snake? Ratchet. Ratchet. Um, or is it just a, you have to change out? I think he might dual-wield in a later game. Maybe even the first game. I don't really remember. It might be unfair to dual-wield like a blade gun with a rocket launcher. Probably. So, I don't. I see Snake good against other stealthy characters. Um, and in an open plane where you can't really stealth, I don't see Snake holding up with his silencer pistol mm-hmm. against the likes of a freaking rocket launcher or a disc blade. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, and it's going to be hard for Snake to outmaneuver the explosion. So I, I see him discombobulating mm. Snake with a rocket close to him. He doesn't even need to hit him. Uh, but he's going to go up to him and unmercifully put a few blades in his chest. Wow. Um, he's a little on the wrench? Yeah. And then he's probably going to dismantle his box and put it in recycling. Just Whoa. to end. Uh, he's still environmentally friendly. He did recycle it. But it, it's there is some extra blood and biohazard material. Well, what if he threw him in one of those uh, those little box crushers? You know, grocery <laughs> Yeah. I'm just thinking like the one of the, turning those uh, cars into like a little cube. A little, a little <laughs> trash a little compactor. little meat cube. And yeah. then in the center of the box, you just see Salt Snake's face. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, we'll go with that. All right. That's yeah. not, I like that. So Ratchet takes the, uh, the win. Uh, so we have Jack... Facing off Ratchet, this is similar to the Spyro Crash Bandicoot battle. I mean, once again, we have a Naughty Dog mascot platformer person versus an Insomniac mascot platformer person in Ratchet. So, similar battle, and I actually, in this one, to make a long story short, think the Insomniac person character wins here. I think Jack has the stamina of a horse. You know, he's still running all over the place. Ratchet keeps working him to death, shooting rockets, shooting blaster bullets, and Jack really doesn't have anything in his arsenal, but his his spin kicks and his punches and things like that. And the moment both of them get a little fatigued, mm-hmm. Jack kind of keels over, puts his hands on his knees, is breathing in all the air. Maybe he has an inhaler. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe he's just really exhausted at this point. He's gassed. Yeah. But the moment he looks up, he sees almost a stone cold faced ratchet just staring there, smiling at him. But he's not moving. He's not blinking. He almost seems like a mannequin of sorts. But Jack is like, 
whatever, I don't care, I'm tired, this is my opportunity to take him down. Little does Jack know, Ratchet has a decoy glove. Oh shit. So he throws a decoy of himself, he's, I don't know, he's hiding behind a bush or something like that, and Jack just goes to town on this little decoy thing, little mannequin doll of Ratchet, Ratchet comes in with his the wrench and just beats the heck out of him. Mm. Yeah, he got cocky. Yep. Yeah. Never let your guard down on the battlefield, folks. That's a uh, a very clean win. Yeah, yeah, I think it is too. A respectful win. Yeah, yeah, respectable. So how did he just beats him with a wrench to death? Another bludgeon? Maybe he does a double tap at the end with his pistol. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta be you gotta be sure. That's you know? right. Yeah, you just never know. But uh, yeah, so I think that Ratchet definitely takes the cake here. Five seed downing the thirteen seed. All right, so we're back on the same pace of similar views. Laura versus Ratchet in the next round. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But before we get to that, Ryan... Yes. We have uh, our next battle for me. It is an 11 seed in Aloy and a versus. 3 seed in Joel. And I have Jin versus Joel, the Jays. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and we're fighting at number two. Uh, man, we just keep... It's like a let's, ping-pong let's re-roll. match. Let's re-roll on that one. We, number 10, we just did number 9. Did we do? Did we, we just. It was Grand Pulse. We were just fucking there. Fucking six. <laughs> six. I don't think we've done this. Which one is this? Six is Mute City. This is going to be chaotic. This Mute is F Zero. Oh, so this is the melee stage where you're on the little floating platform and the cars come like you slow. It slowly goes into the stage and the cars are f- flying underneath. You. That's right. Yeah. Ooh. and it's a tiny platform. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. It is. Hmm. I think this plays a heavy influence into who wins this battle because I think if we're on an equal playing field like Olympus Coliseum, for think, me, the, the clear winner is Aloy. Really? I the guns versus Aloy? I, I feel like the trigger of Joel would outpace. No, see, Aloy's Aloy's got that dodge roll. She sees dodging all over the place and then just spears him right in the chest. Yeah. Hmm. But again, we're not. On Grand Pulse, we're not on Freeze Easy Peak. We are literally in Mute City. We've got the F Zero music playing in the background. We've got the cars going crazy, and I think ultimately, you know, they have some a little bit of squaring off in the beginning, some hand to hand combat. But then ultimately, Joel's like, "Screw this!" He pulls out a revolver, shoots Aloy's kneecaps out, and then just throws one last haymaker as all of the oncoming traffic comes on from Mute City. She falls off the platform and just gets run over by a dozen cars. Devoured by cars. See, I I don't think for me, Jin has the upper hand in the beginning. I think they're starting at the ends or both ends of the platform. And Jin has to close the gap, right? He, I mean, he's facing off against pistols, right? I'd say pistols and a bow for Joel. Um because the reload time on a shotgun could potentially take a, a bit longer than a few clips. This is a small platform. You don't got time to reload cli- uh, shotgun yeah. cartridges. So I, I feel like Jin's best play here is he's going to chuck a smoke bomb down mm. uh, to decrease the accuracy. And I don't know if it's the best play to run at Joel right away. I, I think he's going to shoot an arrow um, that Joel could potentially dodge out of the way uh, but 
there's not much room to dodge roll side to side. So he, he's going to potentially fall off the platform, mm-hmm. but hold on to the sides. Um, and then they're going to get down to the kind of the main track, and that's where it's going to be just a one-on-one to the death. Um, I feel like the agility from his ghost days are definitely going to help improve Jin's um, chances of winning. Mm-hmm. And Joel, I mean, it's been years, right, since he's seen a car. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jin's never fucking seen a car. It's Fuel Japan. What am I talking about? <laughs> but, but he has the ability to get... <laughs> he's, he has the ability to get on a platform before these fucking robot monsters flying towards oh, I was gonna say, I think he's probably bewildered that he's <laughs> yeah, seeing like, flying The hell is that? Before he's even seen a normal car. Yeah, uh, but I think his agility to, like, in the face of new enemies is going to help him. And Joel's got nicked by the initial first arrow shot at him. Um, And similar to your fight, I think that kind of initial shot is going to push him or he's going to fall into traffic. And he's not going to be able to get on a platform quick enough Mm -hmm. um, to face off one-on-one where he would have won with a pistol versus Jin. So I think Jin's going to come out on head on this one. But... It's going to be close. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was never actually finished with the way my battle went down. Oh, so, okay. So he, after getting run over, so <laughs> Aloy. Well, Joel expects that, right? Yeah. He thinks that all these cars end up running over Aloy. Little does he know she's actually hanging by her fingertips on mm. the edge of the platform. Okay. And she pulls an Obi-Wan Kenobi at the end of The Phantom Menace flies herself up her spear is still on her back like yeah. she never let go of it and then she flips over joel falls under her broken knees but ultimately stabs joel right in the chest with the spear and then just punches him off and he's actually the one that ends up falling to his death and getting run over by car so aloy is actually the one that comes out on top here yeah a- okay and aloy i mean she also has the the ability to possess machines. What she could do is she falls into traffic onto the back of a car, Oh, possesses a car, and just runs over Joel with her possessed robot car minion. I like that even better. Yeah. Yep, Joel gets run over by a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. We got Jin and Aloy moving to the next round. That's right. All right, so this next one... Another, Dragons versus robots. Another battle of platform <laughs> mascots here. So we have Spyro for me versus Astrobot. Astro Boy. And we're fighting at number seven. Number seven, Old Yarnum. Interesting location. Hmm. I feel like Astro has the advantage. Um, he has verticality where Spyro doesn't. I, I think Spyro's tied to the ground for most of this. Yeah, I think what worked well for Astro when he was fighting off Nate was that he can kind of just hide in the snow and use the elements to his advantage. I think he sticks out like a sore thumb in Old Yarnum. Yeah. And plus, I think there's no running away from Spyro. You know, I don't know if Spyro's fire is going to work against the metal of uh, his protective shield with his, his roboticness. Yeah. But I think ultimately he just does his head bash a million times over until... Astro's completely discombobulated, and, you know, Spyro continues to do that umpteen times over until Astro is 
is a shell of his former self, and by that I mean he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that is the biggest shell of your former self. Um, no, I, I think, yeah, similar to like what you're saying, where his whiteness worked in the snow so he could blend in, it's going to be sticking out like a sore thumb in this one. And, I mean, you have Spyro, who's kind of bright purple. So, I mean, similar to your wall color, but he can roll around in the kind of the muddy streets of old Yarnum to kind of cloak himself and become more invisible. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I think the white paint of uh, Astro is still going to stick out through the mud. Yeah. Um, so the second that... I Weapon-wise, I, I think that Astro's best play would become his monkey suit. Yep. So you still have a brawl going on. Mm-hmm. Uh but the thickness of Spyro's shell, his scales, the scales, um, are gonna probably take those blows. They're not gonna be able to take a ton because, I mean, remember he's got hydraulics and he's probably got a lot of weight behind that. Yeah, those punches. But I think that Spyro. I'm just trying to keep the names straight. I think Spyro can weaken the metal with the heat mm. and impale him with his horns once. It's brittled the metal. Yep. Um, and even if he has it to use his ice breath to kind of freeze, say, one of his monkey arms to the wall, brittle the chest, and then impale him, I think that's Spyro's best play. And I think that's how Spyro would win. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, another respectable battle. Yeah. And fight to the end. Old Yarnum really screwed over Astro, though. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, there's no way he was coming out of that uh, battle with a victory. Yeah. Or alive. <laughs> <laughs> victory is life. <laughs> um, wow, we are getting into the final two battles here for yes. PlayStation. So for me, I have Lara Croft facing off Ratchet. Yes, I've got the same. And then I have Jin versus Spyro, and you have Aloy versus Spyro. So where, uh, where are Lara Croft and Ratchet facing off? Number four. Sector Z. This will be fun. Sector Z. This, of course, is the Star Fox ship from uh, the N64 Smash Brothers. 2D Ooh. plane. Not much room to move. I mean, this is put up or shut up, all right? Mm. Okay. Another true test of skill here. Yeah, and then you've also got those ships that randomly come in and shoot the platform. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's rough. It's a gun battle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For, mm. for this one, I think, you know, they do a bunch of shooting. They do a bunch of dodging. Then one of these, you know, ship comes in before the ship even comes in. All right. That, that ship plays a, a pivotal role in how this battle goes down. Yeah. But I think ultimately they run out of bullets. They toss their guns off of the ship and they kind of have this final stare down at each other like, no. No more gunplay. We're doing this right. Old school gladiator style. She pulls out her ice pick. Ratchet pulls out his on the wrench. They're fighting. The the iron is clanking against each other. But then Ratchet, out of the corner of his eye, sees the ship coming. It's flying in close. He, almost in slow motion, kicks off of Lara Croft's face. She's like, bleh. Like she's like discombobulated, doesn't even know what happens. He does one last uppercut hook with his omni wrench. She's kind of thrown off balance. He backflips off 
onto the ship, it turns around and completely obliterates Lara Croft from the map. The ship explodes, it sinks, and Ratchet flies off on this little air wing. Okay. Yeah, I... I see it playing out a very similar way that the guns wouldn't... I mean, you can use that kind of arch in the back of the ship as kind of a shield. Yeah. And I think the guns would, similar to what you were thinking, you'd run out of bullets before one of them is killed and it would turn into a melee brawl. I I think the height difference is what comes into play here. You got Laura who is, let's say, average like 5'6". That seems average for a female. And then you have Ratchet who is not 5'6". He's like 3'2". Yeah, he, he's short. Um, and he's going to try to play off that higher edge in the back of the ship, that rudder or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to take the high ground. Mm, once again. And, yeah. And that might sound good in theory, but I, I think Laura Croft, because there's a ship pattern in the back where it's shooting at the back of the ship. One, I don't know where Star Fox is shooting at the back of his own ship, but... Um, I, I think it's going to play out similar to like a Mufasa fight. Oh. Yeah. So they're going to be duking it out. You got ice picks versus Omni wrenches. And she's going to see the ship coming from the back, shooting at the platform. And she's, they're going to be kind of tangled. She's got her pick wrapped around the Omni wrench. He's holding it up with two hands. And she's just going to kick him. And that's going to, that f- extra force with her hot longer legs than he has is going to push him off the edge Mm. and he's going to be holding on and his legs are going to get shot off by the (laughs) bullet so he he's even less of a man at this point yeah uh so he's down to like a foot and a half of body and uh she's going to take a pick to the head wow and uh yeah it's going to be over at that point wait she's going to take a pick to the head she's going to pick him in the head okay yeah wow yeah, I, I think when you lose your legs, you lose a part of yourself. <laughs> Most of that's yourself. That's typically how that works, yeah. yeah. Wow. So. Um, that's intense. But a close battle, I, I think the gun on gun is, they're both very agile fighters. And uh, yeah, it's a close, I think, he, I mean, you pick the other guy, but I think it's a toss up when it comes to who's able to use the environment. Yeah. Wow. All right. Ratchet goes on for me and Lara Croft moves on for you. So this next battle, I think is going to be particularly interesting. We have for me, Aloy versus Spyro, the purple little dragon. Yes. And I have Jin versus Spyro. Where are they fighting? Number five. Number five is Hyrule Castle. I think an appropriate setting. Yeah. All right. Uh, For me, I think for this one, uh, this is when Spyro meets his match. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think the, the tornadoes play a huge part in this, but I think ultimately, you know, Aloy is able to jump to move away from Spyro's, uh, charge moves. She also equally is able to dodge roll away from the fire when it ends up, when he's breathing that. But I think the one thing that will eventually pierce Spyro's poor little scales is her silent spear. And yeah. Spyro is going to fall an untimely death. And uh, Aloy might even, like, she might even pet his head a little bit before she kills him. Just, <laughs> That's like, the most sadistic shit. Oh, welcome death <laughs> as your new friend. 
Uh, I don't think she, uh, well, I don't think she wants to kill him, you know? I mean, look at his little <laughs> Yeah, face. I'm sure all people who don't want to kill someone pets their head <laughs> in <know>? war. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Spyro gives her one last little look like, please don't do this to me. Look how cute I am. <laughs> Wow, that makes it even worse. Please, don't. Oh, I love you. <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen the season finale to Buffy the Vampire, Vamp- Buffy the Vampire Slayer season two? I've never watched an episode. Okay, well, you know, Angel was once angelus. He comes back from the portal of hell, but in order for Buffy to save the universe, she needs the blood of the person that she fell in love with. To close that time loop and gate of hell. So Angel doesn't know where he is or what's going on. And he says, Buffy, what's happening? And she has to ultimately kiss him, but then pierce him in the chest, just as Aloy does to her pet little dragon Spyro. And sends him and kicks him off into hell. That sounds like some Twilight shit. Dude, Buffy's the best. (sighs) Yeah. No. And then he sparkled in the the rays of the sun, and then like the wolf man imprinted on the newly born child after red eyes, black dragon. I don't know. No, it's okay. I I can see. I I think Spyro would die in the Jin uh, matchup as well. Yeah. Um, as far as weapons, I don't know if a regular arrow could pierce Spyro's scales. Um, I I think. Similar to the smog, you'd have to use a more powerful arrow mm-hmm. to kind of weaken those scales. Um, and luckily, Jin has two types of bows. Um, he's got the regular bow with quick shot, and then he's got the one with explosive arrows and a stronger piercing tip. Um, so I, I see him using his bow as Spyro's at range, and that's where he's going to be the most successful. Um so he's going to use his bow and his sword as his main weapons. And then I don't think being in 2 plane or 2D that the uh, smoke bombs are really going to do much. Yeah. I think he's going to have to use those sticky bombs. And he's going to really just have to explode Spyro over and over to weaken his armor. And then after taking a few arrows, both explosive and uh, piercing... Um, he's going to blow off one of Spyro's legs with the sticky bomb after he's weakened. Um, Spyro, I mean, as we've seen in Ghost of Tsushima at the beginning, Spyro doesn't have the alcohol that the, um, what's-his-face does. The alcohol. Because at the very beginning in the start of the battle, he throws alcohol on him and then lights him on fire. Oh, those are called Molotov cocktails? Yeah, but they're separate, so they're not called Molotov to- cocktails, right? What? I sorry, I spaced out for a second. Who are you? <laughs> I'm not even listening to you. Are we doing a podcast? <laughs> Who am I, dude? Once we start, uh, have you we, ever you played Ghost, right? Yeah, dude, I got the platinum trophy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so he throws alcohol on the guy at the beginning, and then he throws a torch on him. Oh, okay. I thought Molotovs were only like a rag in a bottle with alcohol. So yes, you're technically right. And then light that on fire. Does the bottle define the Molotov? Dude, what Or does first? the alcohol and fire define the Molotov? Dude. Do people who spit fire at, like, fairs, are they just a Molotov cocktail in a human being? Who? What came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Probably the egg. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, I spaced out for a second, all right? No, it's cool. So, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think that... If Spyro were to shoot Jin with fire, 
he has the ability to take off what's on fire. Uh, mm. Most likely, the cape's going to catch on fire, and all he has to do is take it off. I don't see Jin taking samurai armor. It's too bulky. He needs the agility of like ghost armor or one of the traveling armors. Um, so he's pretty exposed. I think it's a one-hit KO for Jin if he takes horns or fire to the chest. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think the agility and the explosive rounds are going to end Spyro in the end. Poor little Spyro. Yeah. Never and then the end. he's going to pet him and then slice off his head in respect. That's right. Because you you got to pet your enemies before you kill them, well, at <laughs> as least, we've learned here today. At least the little purple dragons, all right? You owe Spyro that much. Yeah. Yeah, it's a respectful pet. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> before sure. you end his life. Um, all right. So you have who going to the final here? Laura versus Jin. All right. And I have Ratchet versus Aloy. Mm-hmm. And uh, where are these two squaring off, Ryan? Number eight. Number eight. Back to Sentinel Beach from Jack and Daxter. Mm. I think this is a, an appropriate final battle between these two PlayStation characters. Yes. So how do you see this whole thing going down? So on the beach, um, there's a lot of different obstacles. And Jin has to deal with Laura's dual pistols. Mm-hmm. And I think what he has to do first is bait out her shooting. Okay. Um, by kind of weaving in and out using his smoke bombs to decrease her accuracy. And then I think it's going to come down to Laura's bow, Jin's bow, and then their two melee weapons, the ice pick and the uh, the katana, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, I mean, they're going to exchange some shots with the bows, but I think ultimately... The best way to end the the PlayStation battle is to do a showdown. That's right. Similar to in Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think they're going to start with a few bow shots. I think the explosive rounds, um, Jin at this time after dodging bullets is going to be kind of weary. Um, so he's not going to get a direct on hit. She's going to take some damage from the blast and some of the dirt and rocks flying. But um, ultimately not lethal. Um, that's going to decrease her accuracy with the bow and allow Jin to cut down the arrow or parry the arrow. Ooh, okay, okay. And then she's going to run with the remaining energy that she has at him. Um, and the metal of the, I mean, she's got probably a steel pick yeah. versus the katana. Um, the katana is not meant for that. I mean, they're, I don't think it's, it might be steel. But I think that's going to be rough, and his his katana is going to take some damage if she he goes um, just head on with the fight. So I think he's going to parry the attack with the initial blow raised above his head and slip down for a quick belly blow and just cut her open. All of her insides come pouring out um, right onto the beach, and then she's going to be down on her knees holding her intestines, and he's going to give a warrior's death from behind. Just quick cut off the head. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. Poor Lara Croft. <laughs> yeah, she, she did not make out well, but I, I think it's a fitting end um, with the showdown. And I think it's a fitting uh, person to come out on top for the, the PlayStation side of the bracket for Jin yeah. Sakai. Definitely a good representative of the PlayStation brand. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, so for me, uh, again, we're on Sentinel Beach, Jack and Daxter territory. We have Ratchet with 
uh, or showing down against Aloy. And I think this is a similar battle to the Lara Croft and Ratchet battle that took place on Sector Z. Except now we have a 3D plane to explore, yeah. uh, the beach to run on. I don't think the sand has a significant influence on, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the battle itself. I think both of them kind of keep their composure, keep them, their feet well. But I think Aloy performs uh, a similar move that you were kind of talking about. I think she kind of exhausts Ratchet's options with his guns. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes more of a close quarters melee combat match where he's swinging his on the wrench. She has her Cylon spear. And I think at the end of the day, she tires Ratchet out to the point where he's just swinging with exhaustion, mm-hmm. out of breath, gasping for air. And Aloy takes one final hit, casts his on the wrench away. She steps back, locks an arrow, and takes and Ratchet, the poor little guy, takes an arrow right through the knee. So at that mm-hmm. point, he's buckled on the beach just looking at her eyes welling up as he thinks of his buddy Clank and all the various adventures they've gone on over <laughs> the years. She pets him on the head a few times. <laughs> There's no petting. Yeah. There's no petting going down here. She locks another arrow and slices one, goes right through the neck, out the other side. Yikes. And he just bleeds out. A wave comes up. It's no longer uh, you know, low tide at the pier. It's high tide at the pier and washes his body away. Aloy walks away and uh, prepares for the uh, the Xbox battles that ensue. Yeah, I think Aloy and Jin are very good contenders for the top of the Sony charts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Aloy definitely, I think, has the agility there. Um, having survived out in the wild around robot killer dinosaurs um, for most of her life, she has a stamina where I think Ratchet probably has a privileged life with guns oh, yeah. and using long range, so... Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'd say I think it'd play out a very similar way. Nice. Well, you have Jin at the top, Ghost of Tsushima. I have Aloy from the Horizon Zero Dawn and eventually Forbidden West games. And I think, Ryan, we might actually call it there for day one of the Otaku Brothers March Madness bracket. Yes. Well, our thought process on this is the March Madness goes three weeks. Um, we get the first bracket down. And next week will be the main kind of meet. We'll we'll do Xbox and Nintendo. And then the final third week where the national championship would be going on. We'll do uh, both the Square Enix, the final four, and get to our championship as well. It's a better lineup. That's the plan. And even though we're going to be uh, have a meteor episode don't, uh, next week, fear not. Ryan will probably talk at length about Monster Hunter Rise. Actually, it depends. I, so it I, I don't. People. It'll probably be the final four week, because depending on when Amazon, they're they're slating that for early March, April is the next month. Cool. Uh, so early April, I think, is when it's supposed to be delivered to me. It's oh. not on the twenty sixth when it comes out. So we'll see if Amazon, the Amazon gods let it be, mm-hmm. then I will talk your ear off. But if not, it'll be delayed a week. Okay, well, hopefully we'll hear more about Forge Empires and uh, Daniel Cries a lot or whatever the heck you were watching on YouTube. Daniel, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Daniel, or Dylan in Trouble. Dylan in yeah. Trouble, that's what it was. Dylan Cries a lot. I was like, the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hopefully everyone is having some fun so far with the Otaku Brothers March Madness bracket. Again, we encourage you to be playing along as Ryan and I are kind of 
determining the landscapes where all these battles are going to take place. We hope everyone is also filling in a bracket yourselves, but it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, you don't have to go through all of the added nuance of they need to bring in these weapons, they need to fight on this landscape. If you wanted to just be clean and simple and just say, hey, who's going to win? Kratos versus Sly Cooper, I think Kratos is going to kick his ass, then fill out the bracket that way too. However you want to do it, there's really no strict ruling with this. Ryan and I put these additional rules in place because we wanted to be able to actually have a conversation around it. Yeah. And so that, you know, Kratos wouldn't always reign supreme because there's other elements to these levels and there's just more nuance to it than just sheer brunt force and also he consumed every Greek and Nordic god that exists type of thing. <laughs> yeah. So we did want to make it a little bit more fun so that we could talk for two straight hours about it and then have to stretch it across three weeks because there's just so much stuff that could potentially happen. Yeah. And I'm literally spacing out watching Ryan talk about Molotov cocktails. So, uh, yeah, a very supportive group we have here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, just let us know um, how your brackets turn out if they're drastically different than ours. And we'll see you next week with... The continuation of our brackets. Absolutely. And if you want to write into the show and send us your complete bracket, you could do that Podcast at gmail.com. Or even simpler, you can post it in the Otaku Brothers Discord. If you're not already in there and you're listening to this podcast, even if you set it on mute and you don't always get in on the discussion, we would still love to have you there. Click that little link in the show notes. It's very simple and there's always fun stuff going on there. And if you want to show your support for the show, it's very simple. All you have to do is uh, go to wherever you listen to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, write us a little review, rate us however many stars you think we deserve, and uh, brighten Ryan and I's day. And you know what? Guess what? It's my birthday on Monday. Ryan and I already talked about it. Yes. Give me a little birthday present. Go and write us a review. Rate us. It'd be great. And we'll even read it right here in the show. We'll give you a shout out. You know, I mean, who doesn't love that? So Ryan and I would very much appreciate that. We also just thank you so, so much for listening and everyone that's in the discord that's chatting it up. We love you too. But uh, as the episode comes to an end, we hope all of you will anticipate the next two weeks of the March Madness bracket. And Ryan and I have some awesome, very fun ideas cooking for uh, everything beyond these next two weeks. So stay tuned for all of that. But as I always do, as we always do, at the end of every Otaku Brothers podcast episode, I turn it back to my co-host and ask if he has any parting words for the great listeners out there. Ryan, any parting words? Yeah, just uh, have a good week. Um, enjoy your pets and uh, fill out the brackets and we'll we'll be back next week. That's a great PSA. Seriously, if you have a cat or a dog or a goldfish or a guinea pig or a snake or a spider, whatever it is. It's not a spider. Get rid of that. But <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's chilling around next to you, give that thing a nice little pet. Maybe give it a kiss on the nose, especially yeah. if it's a spider, one of its many eyes. Mm. And uh, cherish the time Just you rub have. rub all of its legs. <laughs> cherish like the time you have with your pets because uh, you never know when their journey might be coming to an end. All right? And uh, Skittles, rest in peace, my dude. Yeah. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week for part two of the Otaku Brothers March Madness Bracket. See ya.